Hey, it's Blair Johnson with the Badass Records Podcast. Check out the site, badassrecordspodcast.com. Drop me a line, badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Subscribe where you stream. If you're unfamiliar, we're just sitting around talking about you, some of your favorite music, and what you're into. New episodes drop Thursdays. It's the Badass Records Podcast, talking people, music, badass records. Appreciate you stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. This would be episode 106 of Badass Records Podcast, hanging out with Kirsty Lynn. Correct pronunciation there? Kirsty Lynn. Kirsty. Kirsty Lynn. Like, uh, how does how does uh, the actress from Cheers say it? Does she say Kirsty? She or? says Kirsty too. Kirsty okay, Alley. okay. So it's the same. Yeah. Same. Very cool. Um, we crossed paths at your place of employment. I was trying to uh, arrange a uh, an appointment and. Uh, somehow we talked about the brick i think the brick the okay Earl Grit happy hour that's right that's right and you mentioned that you were a musician mm-hmm. and uh so kirstylynn.com and kirst dot com and kirsty the worsty yes. on instagram yes <laughs> uh and let's see here uh amazon music spotify title apple music where else what are we leaving out there uh youtube youtube yeah okay cool um, and upstate New York. Yes, that's where I'm from. Um, now, driving to a buddy's on Sunday to watch the Chiefs game, uh, the radio commentary, uh, a former Chiefs player was saying, um, uh, I know that this, is, this game is much more about the team and what they have in mind, but for me personally as a former player, uh, a bad taste in my mouth from the 90s in uh, Western New York. And he kept saying Western New York over and over again. But that's where Buffalo is, right? Yes. And, and it's not the same as Upstate? Well, or? so Upstate is kind of like a, it's kind of vague um, because anything in New York State above the city, like New York City, is Which considered is Upstate. Like Southeast in the state? Yes. Okay. It's like the most Southern part and it's like basically it's not even really connected. It's like, like New York is like this, like on the map, New York kind of, it has like this weird kind of shape to it. Like if you take your right hand and hold it in front of you and then like off where your wrist meets your hand, there's like the little, this tail and okay. that's New York city. And okay. so everything else is <laughs> considered so... upstate. <laughs> right. So technically I'm from Western New York. Because I okay. I grew up outside of Rochester. Okay, which that's is close to Buffalo, right? An hour and a half away. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's like uh, that would be like saying uh, everything north of Florida is like the northern portion of the United States. Yes. How yeah. interesting. Um, I have uh, been to New York City once, and then Long Island once, and I mean they were both kind of quick um, in and out trips. But you've been to KC. F- in KC for how long now? Um, almost four years, I think. I lived here for a year um, from 2018 to 2019. And then I moved away for two years. And then in 2021, July, I moved back and I've been here ever since. Okay. Okay. 
<clears throat> and uh, where where were you in, in, when you moved away for two years? I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, oh, okay. getting my master's degree. Hey, nice. In what? Uh, voice performance and opera. Okay. And yeah. uh, outside of the place where we crossed paths, do you, outside of that and your life as a musician, do you use that? Do you have, uh, how does that? Like, come? do I sing opera still? Well, or? a voice, voice performance. Yeah, uh, basically it was just like going to school to learn how to sing classically and to, and to do opera. Okay. So um, uh, my degree, I took like, um, so like voice pedagogy co- courses, music history, okay. uh, like language, um, uh, also took, uh, like diction, which is basically like learning how to read and speak in other languages, not necessarily like comprehending it, but it's useful to sing, Okay, you know, but you are know. already singing uh, when you made the decision to apply for this, this program. Oh uh, yeah, I had a bachelor's degree in voice and opera too. Okay. I I had studied started studying like classical voice, like not too seriously, like probably when I was in 7th or 8th grade I think I started taking just like voice lessons and then okay. I really started taking voice lessons once I got to high school like around 15, 16 and then from there I decided that I wanted to be an opera singer but oh, okay. during the pandemic cuz I was getting my master's degree when the pandemic happened yeah. I kind of moved away from I decided I want to move away from opera and I actually wanted to uh start a career in um wildlife conservation and recreation wow yeah cool. and uh was just kind of like sharing different songs I had written on my guitar on my Instagram yeah and uh I had a friend that was passing through Kansas City the same time randomly, serendipitously, that I was visiting here, my friends, still living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we got a beer, um, and he was like, uh, we went to, also, we went to undergrad, sorry. Uh, Undergrad was where? Winchester, Virginia. Okay. Shenandoah University. So we, we went to undergrad together. I hadn't seen him since we graduated, but we stayed kind of in touch. And he was like, hey, You've been, you know, sharing a lot of songs. You should record them. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And he goes, well, you know, if you pay for my gas to get to Pennsylvania, like, I'll do it for free. And that friend is Galen, Galen Clark, my duo partner. Okay. So he recorded, mixed, and mastered my first solo album. And then he was like, we should really go on tour for this. And I was like, I don't know. Like, this is just (laughs) something fun I was thinking about. And my voice coach in my master's degree, she was like, whoa, you're telling me he's going to like plan a whole tour and you don't, you don't want to go. And I was like, I don't think I should. She, she was like, listen, if you can make this happen, you have to do this because you might never get this opportunity again. Exactly. And I was like, man, okay. So then we went on tour and then the rest is history. We're like, okay, we're, we're doing now and we're doing this. And and you both live here. He lived here for a little bit, but now he's living in Pocosin, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he moves around a lot. Sure, sure. So upstate New York, and you land on uh, this program in Virginia for undergrad mm-hmm. based on what it offered? Yeah. Okay. So um, my number one choice had been Ithaca College. Okay. In New York. In New right? York, yeah. in Ithaca. Um, but Ithaca is very expensive, even if you get scholarship. Is anything in New York not? Yeah, I mean oh, the oh, okay. the state universities are really affordable okay, and they're okay. they're good. Um, but Ithaca is a private college, um, and it was just too expensive. And uh, Shenandoah University, I got 
like a presidential scholarship. I got a talent scholarship, um, you know, got some help and it was cool, you know, affordable. Yeah. And uh, I ended up really liking my time there. So. So upstate New York to Virginia for undergrad and then you're in KC. And how do you land on the program in Pittsburgh? Um, again, just kind of like, well, they gave me a scholarship. There's a different school. I almost went to UMKC. Okay. Um, for my master's because UMKC, you know, was. Go Ruse. That's where I got mine. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, they got like a good program and, yeah. you know, they have some nice facilities. So, and I wouldn't have had to move, but, um, I really meshed with, um, this voice teacher at Carnegie Mellon, um, and when you go to get your master's degree in voice, you kind of go f- mostly for the teacher and then secondly, the program, because Whoa. you're trying, if you're getting a master's, it's because you want to still kind of get experience performing. And also you're probably still working on, um, kind of ironing out any technical kinks in your, in your technique. Okay. Um, and I really, really, you know, just like meshed with this teacher and, um, they gave me a good amount of scholarship and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm moving to Pittsburgh. I had some friends who were living sure. there at the time. So cool. Moved there. Yeah. Um, do you ever, uh, goof around and, and watch, uh, YouTubers? Like there's some voice coach folks, i.e. the charismatic voice. No, no, not really. Well, no. <laughs> she's, uh, I've seen a, a few, uh, and you know, there's like, uh, a lane of classical composer, reaction videos right mm-hmm. they're they're um listening to or watching a music video uh listening to a song or watching a music video for the first time supposedly mm. and, and reacting to it <laughs> yeah. right um and this uh charismatic voice gal she's um she's great and super fun high energy um has some opera background as well um she <laughs> will take like 25 minutes to get through like a four minute song because she likes to go back so much. But um, the things that she focuses on and the verbiage that she uses in explaining um, so much is like mind blowing. And I've I've used this example before, um, but one of the videos of hers that I watched is um, Rush's Tom Sawyer. Are you familiar with Rush? The band? Mm, heard of them, but okay. I don't think okay. I really listened to them. Okay. Um, Tom Sawyer is um, probably their most well-known. Uh, Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer. And then it's... Okay. And they're, they're, they're fascinating. Anyway, um, Getty Lee, they're, they're a three-piece. Uh, they were a three-piece. Rest in peace to uh, Neil Peart, the drummer. But um, he... Ha- and they they're like prog rock, so they're like in oh. and out of time signatures yeah. and some of their stuff. It's wild. Um, but Getty Lee has a very uh, for a guy high pitched voice, uh-huh. and he 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 fluctuates a lot. And so and he also plays bass and bass and synth in addition to the vocals. So he's a, he's a busy fella. Yeah. And, and anyway, uh, in this particular song, um, she is like fascinated about how he's closing his teeth on consonants and using the uh, muscles in his throat appropriately to go in and out of different ranges. And, and uh, at some point she's even talking about how uh, the way you stand can support 
the proper use and and if it's even more elevated if you're barefoot mm, just weird like sh- sh- stuff i never ever would have considered in a million years yeah. um but anyway it's reaction videos are a, have been a guilty pleasure of mine for some time and you come across something that uh is looking at a thing that you enjoy and teaching you something at the same time it's mm hard to turn away yeah <laughs> anyway uh upstate new york uh siblings one sibling okay. a younger sister yeah so you're the oldest i am okay shouts out to firstborns Woo. um <laughs> and uh any idea how uh mom and dad met yeah so uh my mom and my dad are both from upstate new york but my mom grew up outside of albany and my dad grew up in the watkins Glen area okay and um my dad initially went to school down in Florida to do something with like water chemical testing. <laughs> I don't know. Ended up not wanting to do that and then transferred to Geneseo, SUNY Geneseo, which SUNY stands for State University of New York. Yes. Um, so he went there. The, the, uh, the state program yes. cluster that you touched on a second ago. I yes. have heard that yeah. that's a really good... And there's a lot of them, right? There's... Yeah, there's like SUNY uh, ESF. There's like SUNY Geneseo, SUNY Binghamton, SUNY like New Paltz, yada, yada. There's like okay. a bunch. Okay. Um, and uh, my mom also went to Geneseo uh, for school. And then they both graduated without meeting each other, but they had mutual friends that like set them up. And then... The rest is history. The rest is history. Nice. Yeah. Um, memories of them playing music for listening purposes in the home. You know, um, the I I grew up listening to a lot of like Christian rock. Okay, yeah. Um, but I do remember being like little and my parents waking up us up for school. So my both my parents are retired high school teachers. Okay. So when we were little, we Kudos had to, to get up. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, they worked very hard. Um, but when we were little, we we didn't get to like sleep in. We had to get up. And then go to daycare because they had to go to school at oh, like yeah, 6.30, seven, yeah, okay, 7 a.m. Okay, sure. So my dad Gosh, would... how do you find somebody that's available to take your kids in at like 5.30? I know. Well, <laughs> we had a couple of, of babysitters, um, but at least at the school that I went to, a lot of the teachers there had like children that also went to school there. So we ended up all going like kind of like the same places. Gotcha. Um, but anyways, my dad would come up, come into my sister and I's room. We shared a room at the time in the first little townhouse we lived in. And I remember this little green kind of like spherical uh, CD player that we had. And he would put on a CD in the morning to kind of like gently wake us up. And it was, I know it was like a mix of a bunch of different songs. But the one that I always remember is Bob Marley like don't you worry yeah. about a thing cool. so like that one would play um but other than that like uh I don't really remember them playing a lot of of music like I I can't I just had this conversation with someone I couldn't tell you what my parents favorite musicians no are what their favorite albums are i know my dad liked james taylor because at okay. one point i did not like james taylor's yeah. james taylor's voice yes and he was like you're crazy right um but other than that i really couldn't tell you like what their favorite albums are or you know who they were listening to um but when he had they were some bob marley up. in the house yeah the bob, you, bob marley at least have you seen the uh, ads for the movie there's a movie no I, yeah. I had no idea yeah um, wow it's uh 
it, interesting because uh, the last uh, person to sit in that chair uh, was m- making the occasional mention about their folks and um, and uh, all kind of leaning in the direction of um, oh you know not terribly traditional in terms of like parental behavior mm-hmm. um, and at some point I was like what so were your did your did your folks smoke a lot of weed and he was like yeah like <laughs> no, and I was like and they weren't like in the house and he's like yeah and I was like were they you know trying he's like no 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 like in the car it was my my job and my my siblings job to take the joint from one relative and hand it to the other and I was like what <laughs> and then like right after that it was the first time I saw uh the an ad, a commercial for the new Bob Marley. And he's in shotgun and some of his kids are in the back and he's smoking a joint. I'm like, that is so crazy. Like wow. my parents um, were like, that is drugs. You oh, yeah. do not go. Anyway, um, so did you wind up uh, being around Christian rock of your own accord or peers or because of them? Because or? of them. Okay. Because of them. Um, uh, I... Like, grew up singing in, like, the children's church choir. Cool. Um, I, my my primary school music teacher kind of took me under her wing in kindergarten and, like, had me singing at, like, board meetings or school assemblies, like, doing different solos and duets. And uh, Board that, meetings? Yeah. So it's I was like, a slew of adults and you're the only yeah, kid there? Yeah. Wow. Like, just to, like, get me used to performing. Um, smart yeah so like my my very first time singing solo in front of like an audience which was all of my peers in primary school which was k through three i was in first grade and you weren't nervous oh i was probably um because there was a long time where i would get super super nervous to sing and it wasn't until like probably towards the end of undergrad that i was starting to shed that a little bit yeah be able to like move out of that like my throat would get all like tight and i would just get so shaky and nervous um but uh my my parents i will say the one album that they showed me that i latched onto was the phantom of the opera recording that the toronto cast recorded like i don't know back in the 90s or the 80s or something okay and that is when I like started loving theater. Oh, I was huge into musical theater for my whole entire like child childhood. Sure. And it wasn't until I was like 17, 18, I decided I was not going to go to school for musical theater. I was going to go for opera. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was obsessed with the fan of the opera. My sister was also very into musical theater and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, so the, the Christian rock mostly from my parents sure, and then sure. just like you know i was in like youth group and went to church yep. and sang in the choir and then sang in the adult choir and oh wow things like that yeah yeah um so some christian rocks and bob marley uh obsessed with fan of the phantom of the opera is there um an album that as you're sort of beginning to wander down you know forge your own path in in music appreciation is there an album uh that you first fell in love with or or maybe first was your first purchase with your own money Mm. or one that stands out because you heard it at a friend's or yeah um well (laughs) this is kind of a silly memory i remember the first time 
buying a CD because my dad said to my sister and I that he was going to take us to the CD store back when there was CD, CD stores. <laughs> and he was like, you both can pick out one CD. Cool. And my sister picked out a Christian artist whose name was also her name, which is Corinne. Okay. And I picked out um, Britney Spears. Oh, wow. The one, well, the only reason why is because, I mean, we didn't listen to the radio. We weren't allowed to listen to like that, that kind of music. And so um, when you would go to McDonald's, you could get a hit clip in your like kitty meal or your like whatever meal it was. I know there's like a... The teenage meal, whatever that one was called. Really? McDonald's yeah. has a teenage meal? Well, they did at one point. Okay. But but I think I was still like relatively young, so I think it was the kitty meal. They gave away like these little boom boxes and these hit clips that were only like 30 seconds to like a minute long. And I loved my Britney Spears hit clip. And what track was it? Do you remember? Um, I'm pretty sure it was Oops, I Did It Again. That was going to be my guess. Yeah, because yeah. I'm pretty sure I got the album that has Oops, I Did It Again. Or I'm not entirely sure, but it's the one where there's like a beaded curtain and she's kind of like looking out from it. And I picked that one and I remember my dad being like, this is the CD that you want. <laughs> yes. And he'd be like, you sure there's no one else that you want? Your sister picked out a really nice artist. I was like, no, this is the one that I want. Be like Corinne. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So that was my very is first she wear, CD. Is she wearing minimal clothing yes. on the cover? Oh, okay. absolutely. Okay, my, da- my dad was like, oh, but he couldn't He couldn't yeah. take it back. Yeah. You know, yeah. he was like, you can pick out whatever you want. Yeah. So that one was my first CD, but I really didn't listen to like full length albums until I was in undergrad, which is so crazy to think about. Like, because um, I, I listened to like musicals. Like, I was sure. super into musicals yeah. and um, also was a choir nerd, band nerd. Um, you know, I was also in jazz ensemble, so I would listen to jazz, but never would listen to, like, full albums. And it wasn't until I got to undergrad where one of my friends gave me so much crap because I was on Spotify and I was I put it on an album and I put it on shuffle. Mm. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this on shuffle? And I was like, I don't know. Just, like. I don't know, just because. He goes, these artists or this artist um, put in time and consideration into the order of this album to give a meaningful experience, and you're ruining it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. And so then I was like, oh, maybe it's, like, important to listen to full works of, of musicians at once, you know? Like, I'm even thinking, like, I was given um, an album by my uncle. It was the... Uh, Queen Greatest Hits. Okay. Again, not a. F- it's just a Mod Podge. Yeah. So I never yeah. really saw or knew the importance of like listening to albums at a time, one at a time. And uh, you mentioned a little bit ago that you have one of your own now. Yeah, I actually. So I have one solo album, and I have two albums and an EP with my duo partner Galen Clark. Okay. Can you? Uh, run through them each by title and, and specify uh, where they are and, and if it's solo or with him. Yeah, please. absolutely. So my very first album was recorded 
um, in my Pittsburgh apartment in December 2020. And that one is called Tears and Medicine. It was released on my birthday, March 29th, um, 2021. Okay. And it's got like 15 tracks. There's like two nice. folk songs and the rest are all original by me. And I play and sing on every single one of them. And Galen also happens to play on a lot of those as well. He mixed and mastered everything. Um and then after we went on tour, we did the Tears in Medicine tour in 2021, that summer, we decided we wanted to embark on a collaborative project. And so we started working on an album called Cindergarten, which mm. consists of Cindergarten A-sides and B-sides. And Cindergarten A-sides we recorded in my apartment here in Kansas City. Um, and we released that in, oh man. We released it in 2022, but I can't remember if it was in the spring or the fall. I know we we went and toured Syndergaard and A-Side in the fall. Um, and then we recorded Syndergaard and B-Sides, and it features a bunch of Kansas City musicians. Oh, cool. Because um, typically, Galen and I just were a duo. We kind of just play acoustic and, yeah. you know, it's either like two guitars or a guitar and banjo or a guitar and mandolin. Sure. Um, but we decided for B-Sides, we wanted to feature like full band and, and different um instruments and folks that you know we're friends with and so that one we released this past um spring um 2023 right yes um so that's yeah that's all of them oh and we had an ep that we released called um the inks lake session okay um it's just like a, a couple tracks that we recorded while we were um staying at inks lake which is outside of austin texas during our Cindergarten a sides tour and um yeah, it's we were just like in this little concrete cabin, and we just recorded a couple cool. things. Our friend uh, John actually ended up mastering that one. He also mastered Syndergaard and B-Sides. Otherwise, Galen kind of does all the recording sure. and all of that. Um, so there's we, three total. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no. I was just I was saying we released that somewhere in between A-Sides and B-Sides. Okay, okay. And all three of those uh, can be found at? kirstielin.com uh, on Spotify, yeah. on Tidal, on yes. Apple Music, so on and so forth. Okay, cool. Um, and these tours, uh, how many dates are we talking and where, how far was the reach? Um, it depends. Our tears, the Tears in Medicine tour, we started it in Idaho. Okay. And we ended in Kansas City. But mm. we went from Idaho all the way to upstate New York and Pittsburgh and like the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. We even went down to Maryland, Virginia. Came across, ended in Kansas City. Um, the Syndergaard and A-Sides tour we did, we started in Kansas City, did Colorado. We went through New Mexico, but didn't play in New Mexico. Mm. And then we went all the way from El Paso to Texarkana. Okay. And then back up. And we've we've done like a couple little short tours to um, uh, Texas. And we've done like a couple two weeks two-week tours to, like, the Finger Lakes region and, like, hitting Pittsburgh and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, this is, like, real life uh, being on the road, touring. And yeah. And this is, like, uh, you know, uh, some version of uh, a different city every night or every other night. And yep. hotels and... Uh, no hotels. No. We're so lucky that we have friends in so many places that we usually can crash with people. Cool. Yeah. So... When, you know, your initial tour, for example, 
when you have finished the final date and you are uh, now home and uh, unpacked and, and returning to regular life, so to speak, uh, did you find that you broke even or made money or uh, yeah we've always come out in the green thankfully nice very cool very cool so you have that leaves i would think uh some sense of confidence for doing it again oh absolutely yeah we're planning a full month long tour right now for august very cool yeah very cool um now uh when you first date first tour um and I'm, i'm assuming you've performed plenty by yourself prior to this but when you first got up there were there still some of those nerves or is that a thing of the past the first time that I played um on that on the very first tour was the first time that I ever played guitar in front of people it was the first time I'd ever sung and played guitar in front of an audience my own music I I was so nervous. And I was just abs- I was like, I was like Galen. I don't know if I can do this. I was like, and, but Galen was on stage with me, like playing with me, you know. And so I was like so thankful that you know he was there because he has done that. You know, he's played in bands like as soon as he could play guitar, he okay. was like playing in bands and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, I was so nervous. I, I messed up a couple of songs for sure, but like nobody, nobody, nobody knows. Could tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless like, you make a huge deal out of it. Right. And that's like, something wait, that you Let's learn in, um, like performance school. It's like, if you mess up, keep going, keep going. Don't, don't, don't draw attention. Right. To don't it. draw attention. Don't make a big fuss because odds are. Especially, especially singing classical music in a different language. Say you forget a, a, like oh, yeah. a word or you pronounce it wrong. Most of the people out there are not going to know right. unless they know how to speak the language or they know the song. And so I just kind of learned to fake it till you make it when you're forgetting stuff. And yeah, you know, also like I'm, you know, you're your worst critic. I'm super yes. critical, and like I, I could say, oh man, that sounded so bad. You know, I could hit a note and hate it, or a run, and it'd be like really gross sounding to me and and then i'll say something afterwards and be like someone will be like oh i sound great you know and it's like okay yeah you know i just need to chill out (laughs) so what what, was it uh what did you do to sort of jump over that that hurdle that that first night just just i just had to get out there deep breaths and and water and yeah and i was like you know this they're here to support we got like the reason why we started in idaho is because galen was living in idaho and he was teaching um strings whether it was like guitar banjo bass you know at a like a music school Mm. and uh he showed the um the director the music that we had you know recorded mixed and mastered and she really liked it and she was like if she comes out here you guys should play a concert like we'll host a concert for you and so I was like, they want, they want to listen to this music. They like this, you know, like I, I was like, I know how to perform, you know, it's, and I, I practiced so much Good for you, my guitar, I practiced so much. And then, you know, after that, it's just, it's been so much easier. Good, good. I bet. <laughs> you know, how many years later, three years, almost three years later. So, right. Um, so, uh, fan of the Phantom of the Opera, Britney Spears, uh, you mentioned concert. Uh, what about, was there a first concert or a memorable concert when you were young that you went to? Mm, 
Or was that uh, not something the folks would green light? I didn't or? go to a lot of Kay. concerts, really. I went to, <laughs> I went to go see um, Demi Lovato and the Jonas Brothers at the New York State Fair one year. Wow. When was yeah. that? That was probably when I was like 13. Okay. You know? Interesting. Um, we went to go see the American Idol concert for oh, wow. season three. I had a huge crush on Anthony Fedorov. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's is that. That's the Carrie Underwood season. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the season that she won. Interesting. If that's the show with Simon and the yes, chairs. at the time it was Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul, and Randy Jackson, and I totally had a dream of like going on that show, and I always said that I would sing somewhere over the rainbow. That would be oh, my wow. audition song. Nice. And you know, for a while after growing up watching that show, I people be like, Would you ever go on American Idol? And I'm like, No, like I wanna perform like theater, blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, I never I never imagined up until twenty twenty one that I would be a singer songwriter, like performing contemporary music and writing contemporary music and pursuing a career in it. Never ever I, up until twenty twenty one. Yeah, up until three uh, years ago. Yeah, literally up until Galen was like, We should tour this music. That that was the first time I ever considered it. Really, wow! Every other time I was like, "Nope, I'm gonna be an opera singer," you know, I'm gonna perform classically, and that that's what I'm gonna do. Wow, very cool. I mean, congratulations, Thank right? You. That's a, uh, <laughs> it's uh, on some level, I would think uh, that has to be an intimidating pivot to make. Like, this has been my path, but now this is a thing I'm gonna, you know, hope. Yeah. Um, so that's very cool. Um, and so guitar has been your primary instrument for, um, I, I got my, my first and only guitar. Well, I have an electric now too, but my, my only acoustic guitar I got at like 15, 16. Um, and I had played ukulele a little bit before then. Um, and so I started to teach myself guitar around 16 years old. Um, kind of like, Putched around more with it when I got to undergrad, but it was never like something I was really taking out and really practicing or learning. So I always say that, you know, I, I didn't really start practicing guitar until like three, four years ago. Okay. But I've been playing since I was like 15. And and that was uh, mom and dad were supportive of, of that wish. Oh, to, yeah. yeah. My parents have always been supportive of, of like everything that I've ever wanted to do, which is super lucky. I know I'm like very, you know, lucky to have them and to have that experience with them. Um, you know, I have a love for photography. One of my birthdays, I got a camera, like a digital camera, hey. you know? Um, and so when I was like, yeah, I would love to have a ukulele, you know, and I would love to learn how to play guitar. And I had been playing clarinet since I was in fourth grade. Okay. My mom, is a clarinet player really? too. Yeah. Interesting. She would play in like community bands growing up and we would go to see her concerts and things there like you that. Go. Um so they were always super supportive and you know they they knew that I loved music and had a passion for it and a talent for it and so they they just wanted to help me succeed in any way. Very cool. Uh, and even today they like are supportive of Yeah, they were, you know, when I made the decision to leave opera um it was it was really hard. Um, because I, I'd been pursuing it for so long or I've been, I had been, you know, putting so much effort into it and to leave it was a hard decision, but it wasn't serving me Mm. and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't 
really happy in it. And oh, it was the pandemic too. We weren't sure. performing. We weren't right. performing. And I was like, I just don't think this is going to give me the happiness long term that I thought it was going to. And I remember telling my parents and they were really sad. And I won't say they were disappointed. They were just kind of sad. Um, well, they on some level are emotionally invested yeah, in the support for right. however long it's been. Yeah. Um, but then they were okay, right? Yeah. So. I mean, like they're, they, they like that I'm singing this music now too, you know, that I'm performing my own music whenever Galen and I go and tour up, you know, around home, which is the Finger Lakes, like my parents always come out, my family comes out, my friends and, you know, they're, they're very supportive. And I know that if I tomorrow was like, I'm going to go pursue opera, they would be like, okay, you know, how are you going to make that work where we want to help you and support you? Cool. You know, so and, and the, the, the good news is, is like, if I do want to have opera in my life in some way i can easily do that like sure. it, all it takes is just kind of like a brush up a brush up getting back into like the swing of lessons and then just auditioning you know so and where does one go to audition for um what <laughs> there are there are local uh you know community uh groups okay um and uh, of course, it would it would take some practice and, yeah. and things. But I'm I'm still connected in the opera world here, at least. So I know that if I wanted to do a a recital, maybe like a thirty minute recital of opera music, I could make that happen. I could do that. Uh, I'm not really interested necessarily in like pursuing opera to be paid. Mm. If 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 the opportunity was given to me, someone was like, "Hey, I want you to sing this. Um, we'll pay you." I was like, I'd be like, "Okay, cool," but I don't want to like put effort into auditioning you know sure. and like fine if, if those things come to me then then fine organically but, yeah and right. I, I mean i sing opera every day still i really yeah just hanging out at the house oh yeah okay yep yep i i mean it's i not necessarily singing like full-blown opera arias it's mostly just like me singing to my dog gotcha um who sings along only with <laughs> opera she like howls it's it's only really opera. yes really? It's, it's very cute and it never gets old so i sing opera a lot in the house <laughs> and have you ever had uh, a neighbor or so, somebody be like was that you is that coming yes from okay yes and how is that, what has that felt like uh, it's it's kind of like oh you can hear me through my house oh okay yeah yeah that's me I'll I'm making a note of that <laughs> I, I gotta believe that they're typically complimentary though right yeah no, yeah nobody's been like knock that off that's annoying um no yeah luckily my neighbors have not said that my my housemate has specifically with singing with Piper my dog um, my old housemate she used to be like she's an opera singer too oh wow um, and she was like. Can he, you know, it's very loud. The dog is very loud. Maybe we just not. And I was like, okay, sorry. Or what usually happens is I'll get an earworm and I'll sing it over and over and over oh. again and I won't realize it. And then at my housemate, my old housemate would say, can you sing a different verse? Can you, can you at least continue the song or sing a different song? And I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just singing the same you thing over and over again. You too can hear me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Very cool. Um, well, that's, uh, very exciting that, um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, um, having energy and, and, uh, time and emotion and expense poured in a different direction to pivot has got to be, uh, intimidating on some level and for it to, uh, feel from my perspective, like success, um, has got to be 
I mean, a good feeling, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely been a good feeling. Um, People have asked me before how the transition has felt, and it was super intuitive to just go from, like, singer-songwriter, I mean, from classical soprano to, like, singer-songwriter, folky kind of singer. It felt very intuitive. I don't necessarily change too much what I'm doing, like, technique-wise. Like, I still use the technique that I learned in opera school, but it's just kind of like, it's mostly, (laughs) it's mostly changing like the, the embouchure, which means like how you hold your mouth. Like, like for example, in instruments, in instrument world, the embouchure for a clarinet is different than an oboe. Okay. Um, it's basically just the way that you like hold your mouth and you know, how, um, you allow in voice at least the voice to resonate in this space and yes. how you can manipulate yes. it. Um now I, I I swung and missed with Rush, so this might be another swing and a miss, but fish? I yes, oh. I've heard of fish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um they're uh, for many years my bread and butter, my um, big, big fit. So and they're, you know, Burlington, Vermont. So like mm-hmm. a lot of these places like uh, Ithaca finger, you know, yeah. they've pl- over the years they've played. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like the, m- my area of upstate New York is like the biggest group of Dave Matthews bands. <laughs> so like there's a ton of like jam bands that sure, come through that sure. area. <laughs> um, so a little while ago, uh, the front primary vocalist, guitar player for fish, Trey Anastasio, uh, you know, he does, uh, he has his own band, so he does side things. And for for a while, he was doing this series called uh, "What Are You Doing?" And he would just walk around with his phone to various folks in the operation and be like, "Hey, Kirsty, good to see you. I have a question for you. What are you doing?" And it's like you know, the guys that are in the uh, the the trailer, the truck, yeah. like running the bore, and the, the guys that go up and met change out motors for the light rig and uh whoever you know and um in his solo band there's uh, a couple of uh horn players and they're also vocalists and and one of them i think her name is natalie cressman she plays trombone and she was rehearsing and he was like hey nat what what are you doing and it ended up being like a 13 minute little clip but she was talking about like seven positions mm-hmm. on a trombone and then a finite amount of what's the word embouchure embouchure yeah. how do you spell that it's a french word it's if you were to pronounce it in french it's embouchure oh embouchure okay and it'd be it's e-m-b-o-u-c-h it's either u-r-e or e-u-r okay okay one of those i well, can't remember exactly so she's talking about these seven positions and this finite finite number of of mouth positions and then how those kind of each of their own and then also together become muscle memory mm-hmm. and uh, i mean trombone is brass instruments are so hard um because it's it's like it comes down to like pressure mm-hmm. and so for the trombone well and trumpet you know any of those it's like the certain fingerings and then you have to you have to blow at a certain pressure yes and so you have to remember all of those things. <laughs> Which I think only happens with reps. Right? Yeah. You, gotta, yeah, you just got to get it out there and do it and yep. do it again and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating stuff. Uh, I'm glad that uh, your um, uh, master's is still 
uh, a part of your life. <laughs> yes. M- mine uh, is, uh, I absolutely loved it at UMKC, and it was a, a creative writing mm. master's, which I would, it wouldn't change anything about choosing to do it. And, and uh, I love the, the experience uh, very much so. And it definitely, um, you know, sharpened my writing skills in a in a needed in a necessary way, uh, I'm not necessarily using it today, but I'm still it's still part of the fabric yeah, of who I am, and I and I absolutely. love it for that. But uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much again for being here. I appreciate you sending me a list, which um, was very fascinating, um, and I typically run through them in um, chronological order of release. And not only did you present your list that way (laughs) you gave me the years too which was like a double uh so 1970 would be where we start uh third record of 19 for Joni Mitchell uh Ladies of the Canyon um 12 tracks 45 minutes household name for folk and singer songwriter fans I'm curious to know how she wound up in your lap so um the first time I ever heard Joni Mitchell, I'm pretty sure it was from her album Clouds. And my Spotify algorithm just like put this song somewhere in my like made for you. And I was probably, I think I was in late undergrad at this time. Okay. I don't re- exactly remember when, but I know where it was. I was at home during like summer break and I was tanning next to my parents' pool. Okay. So you're living fall and spring in uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. but current, but in this moment you're you're back in upstate yes, New York. Yes, I'm okay. back at home, and uh, a song came on, and I was like, "Wow, that is a very quick vibrato. That is a very light voice. That is a voice that kind of sounds like mine." Mm. And I was like, "What am I listening to?" <laughs> right? I had never heard. Like the singer song, the female singer songwriters of like the 60s and 70s. I had never heard them before. Um, And so I started listening to that album, Clouds. And then when I got to Ladies of the Canyon, I really fell in love with Joni Mitchell. Nice. Um, Fascinating story as both a human and an artist. Um, What was it about? Uh, that one that Ladies of the Canyon that you loved so much more than I think I just liked I just think at the time the songs were resonating with me mm, okay, more okay um, like uh, I remember hearing Big Yellow Taxi and being like what <laughs> what is it Counting Crows they didn't write that song <laughs> right. like I was like oh what yeah they must have covered this yeah Joni wrote this song. That blew my mind. Um, also, the Circle Game, I didn't know, was mm. a Joni Mitchell song, but I had been singing for years no at kidding? kids' camp. Wow. Yeah. Like, we, at the camp that I went to as a kid, the, like, uh, the campfire ceremonies, we would, like, the the um, opening and the closing campfire ceremonies, we would sing the Circle Game. Wow. I had no idea that it was a Joni song. Huh. Um, Have you seen... Um... Inside Out, no Pixar movie, no, but I know what it is. Okay, well, it's uh, core memories. Yes, uh, and it's like they're they're like 
these glass spheres and when something really resonates like oh we're making a core memory yeah it's sort of like yes. ta- tapping back into one or yes. rediscovering one that already yeah i was like what I, it was just like a some like big kind of like connections that happened with this album and i just i just loved i know the 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 song that resonated with me the most at first was conversation okay i loved she does this really incredible run right at the beginning. Mm. He comes for conversation. Oh, and she just wow. like and I was like, wow. She like drops it down like oh, that. Oh yeah. Okay. She did it. I mean, that was that was, in my opinion, <laughs> not my best. Oh, she okay. does it like so well in that song. And I I just play that song and repeat for so many times because I just I loved it. I loved her melody. I loved um, you know, like what she was doing with the guitar. Um, I loved her voice. I loved her lyrics are just like so beautiful. And so this, this song, um, like I have never performed, but I just, I always forget about it because there are other songs on this album that I play now. Okay. And so when I re-listen to this album and I get to that song, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this is the song that I really like latched onto at first and i still love it so much but you've never covered it no i've never covered it but you've played it It, no i haven't no i haven't even played it no i just sing along okay yeah and you don't you want to keep it where it is you don't want i don't know i mean i think i think i would give it a whack one of these days um uh saving private ryan have you seen this movie i've you know i i'm gonna apologize i am not a movie person okay i have not I don't watch movies. I don't even watch TV. I don't own a TV. Okay. Um, I I don't watch TV series and I don't watch movies really. Okay. Unless someone sits me down and says, we're watching this movie. That's like basically the only time I'll ever watch a movie. I'll never choose to sit down and watch a movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, you're aware of the premise of this movie though, right? Yes. So uh, there's a great, right before the, I mean, there's a lot of battles, but right before the, the sort of Acme battle, um, Tom Hanks' character, his his group of, of soldiers have found Private Ryan, hmm. who's Matt Damon. Yeah. And uh, all three of his brothers have been killed in combat, so their mission is to get him home. And so they're, he's just learned this news, and now they're preparing to go into this epic battle. And he's still, you know, in shock. And he's like, I can't see my brother's faces. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta think of a context, you know. Um, like when I think of my wife, I, I picture her um, pruning the rose bushes at home. She's wearing a pair of my work gloves and blah blah blah. And so he, it, it gets the juices flowing. <clears throat> and he tells him, and and then and he tells him a story, and and then he, oh, yeah, I can see, you know, I, it works. And he's like, tell me about your uh, your wife and those rose bushes again. And he's like, no. I saved that one just for me. <laughs> so, so the fact that you, yeah. that, that one's, I'll just sing along. And yeah. Maybe one one's day. For me. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Ladies of the Canyon, 1970. And then for the remainder of your list, we take a, a huge leap forward into the future. Mm-hmm. And the next spot we land is 2012. Halfway home, Angel Olsen. Uh, first of six for her, 11 tracks, 44 minutes, uh, gal from St. Louis. We go from, uh, Canada, I believe with Joni Mitchell to Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from St. Louis, I think she 
that live, has lived mostly elsewhere yes. since. But uh, how did you discover her, and why is this one special enough to warrant a spot on your list? So um, I first listened to Angel Olsen in 2015. I was living in London. I was doing a semester abroad during cool. my undergrad. Yeah, I loved through London. Through the, the Pittsburgh program? No, the, through uh, Shenandoah and Winchester, Virginia. I'm, I'm sorry, I meant Virginia. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, so um, during my undergrad, and uh, I had a friend, um, and she put on a playlist. We were all hanging out in her um, little um, flat. Mm-hmm. She was an American, also studying abroad. From? Um, at, uh, she was from Minnesota. Okay. Um, and, Did she uh, have a cute Minnesotan accent? Well... Kind of, kind yeah. Of. She had a little stick and poke on her thumb that said "so nice." And she's like, "Cause we're like Minnesota is so nice, you know." <laughs> and she would like, "What did you call this thing?" Uh, stick. A stick and po- like she, it's it's a tattoo. Oh, okay. She like had given herself a tattoo with like needle and ink. Oh wow, yes. brave girl. Okay. Yes. So um, it was like she was in the dance school though. And so I was hanging out with her and some other Americans who were studying abroad. They were all dancers. And she was like, I'm going to put on an album. Have you ever listened? Or I'm going to put on some music. Have you ever listened to Angel Olsen? And we were like, no, no. And she's like, okay, well, this playlist is a mix of Elvis Presley and Angel Olsen because I just think their vibratos go together. Yes. Oh, wow. She's like, I just think that their vibratos and the, like their music go together really Elvis well. Elvis track, Angel track, Elvis track. Or yeah, some... I mean, it was probably like a playlist on Shuffle or something okay. like that. But I that was the first time I'd ever heard Angel Olsen. I was absolutely enamored. I loved... She, she's like a wailing woman. Like, she just kind of... I just really liked how authentic her singing felt. Like, I don't know, because I, I guess you could argue it's kind of put on. Like, it's it's pretty dramatic, like, the way that she sings. She kind of, like, um, switches from head voice to her chest voice a lot in, in her in her singing. Can you say a little bit about those two things? Yeah, so belting is, like, ah, ah, like, she... She goes from singing in her chest voice, like kind of um, strong, lower, and then she'll kind of do this flip, like, um, I'm alone in the universe. Okay. Like she does gotcha. that a lot. And um, uh, I was just like, whoa. And I, I would think, you know, I've never sung mm-hmm, um, sure. <laughs> uh, and, and or studied. Um, I would think that... Uh, to go from one to the other and to like hit the right key or the right note, like mm-hmm. the, there's a little bit of roll of the dice there, right? Unless you're, unless you've done the reps, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like pitch control is something that definitely takes practice. Some people are, are, you know, more spot on uh, with less practice than others, you know. But it all comes down to just knowing your voice and. Knowing how to control it. Cool. Sorry, I cut you off. You're saying you, you loved that about oh, her. Yeah, I, I loved like what she was doing with her voice. Um, but also, I think the biggest takeaway from this album was that um, I just felt so seen. Really? Can and you her say lyrics. More? Yeah. Like I felt like her songs were like readings of like a journal. Like it felt like everything that I had ever felt. Really? she felt and was putting it into words and i was just like so shocked and taken back and was i just like i listened to this album so much and there are a couple songs that i would skip and then listen to the ones that really like felt like you know 
um, sure. strongly in, in me. And I always say that this this album, but Angel Olsen's music, her older music in general, always feels like coming home. Like it always, it doesn't matter what mood I am, where I am, what I'm doing, you know. If I'm putting this music on, it feels so familiar. It feels like exactly the way it's always felt. Now, did, uh, you know, I moved around as a bunch as a kid um, and then didn't for, you know, grades uh, 6 through 12 uh, and then was uh, here for freshman year college and then elsewhere for the rest um, and, 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 and then finally back in Kansas City again. And so I uh, remember um, this feeling of like Kansas City is always home, right? Um, but if I'm once I'm living like in, in Colorado, for example, for long enough time, it's like I come home to visit for summer and Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's like, oh, I'm home. But then you go back and it's like, no, no, this this is home. Yeah. Uh, and then if that shifts, then it's a whole the whole phenomenon experienced all over again. Um, is that sort of what you're talking about or just or is it simpler or more complex no i mean it's 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 like um it's kind of like that it's it's just like it for example for like three years in a row angel olsen was my top artist on spotify okay (laughs) and then i've moved away she's not my top artist anymore um she hasn't been for a couple of years interesting but whenever this music comes on I'm just like taken back, like into like, wow, like this, this music always resonates with me. It will always resonate with me. Um, it doesn't matter what I've, I've gone through or what I'm going through or what I will go through. When I listen to this album, it always feels like coming home. She, have, have you spent any time with uh, her other five releases? Yes. Okay. I, I've listened a lot. I mean, like I listened to Strange Cacti. Um, uh, burn your fire for no witness. I I love a lot of the songs on that one too. Phases. Um, I think really the only one that I haven't really listened to was maybe it was like All Mirrors and then uh, Big Time, her most recent okay, album. Okay. I haven't really listened to because um I, I'm you know like I'm a big fan of of artists kind of like changing and evolving throughout their careers. Um. And I think that what she does in big time uh, is really wonderful. I think the the country folk really suits her voice, but I am so in love with her old stuff. Mm. It's really hard for me yeah. to like listen and, and not be like, mm, you know, I'm just going to go put on the old right, album that I right. love. <laughs> um, what about uh, other Joni Mitchell records besides the two? Have you? Blue. Okay. Okay. Blue. Yeah, Blue was it was really hard for me to pick a Joni album. Okay. Um because uh Ladies of the Canyon, Blue, and Court and Spark okay. are like all very very important albums to me. Neither of which though were your, your introductory. No. Joni record. Right. Um and so uh Ladies of the Canyon because I spent so much time with it first. Gotcha. I was like I wouldn't have listened to the other ones had it not been for this record. Um, interesting to me uh, that she, I mean, she was kind of, Joni was kind of, you know, coming up 
sixties, seventies, and and has uh, friendships and relationships. I think with like some Crosby, Stills, Nash. Yeah, she you, dated Graham Nash. Right, um, and I don't remember who exactly, but uh, she she wound up pregnant at one point and uh, had gave the baby up for adoption because she was. Yeah, that was uh, that was when she was, I think, Joni Anderson or something like okay. that. I think it was. I can't remember if she was pregnant when she was married, because um, she was married at one point. Right. Um, I don't really know exactly when she was pregnant. It was before Blue, though, because the song Little Green on Blue is about that. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting to me that that was uh, an experience that she had, and then uh, Angel Olsen was raised by foster parents, so it's yeah. sort of like both ends of the. Sp- and I think maybe I think they were maybe significantly older. If I, I might be crossing my stories, um, I don't exactly know uh, about Angel. What is funny about Angel Olsen is that one of my friends from uh, St. Louis, who I met here in Kansas City, his name is John O'Keefe. He plays a lot in town right now. He's like away performing on cruise ships. But um, yeah, he's living, he posts Somewhere all the where time. it's not cold. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I'm in the French Polynesian. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. And it's like negative degrees. Anyways, um, he was like, yeah, my friend uh, growing up was Angel Olsen's sister, uh, brother. Like Angel, like, Whoa. or cousin. Sure. Brother or cousin. And, um, John says he remembers like meeting Angel and and just like his friend being like, oh yeah, my my cousin or I can't remember his cousin or sibling has like a show. Angel is like performing, whatever. Wow, so, just crazy. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, London for your study abroad semester was uh, that the spot to go for what you wanted to do, or were there other options presented and and, and that's the one that you chose? How, how did you wind up? Um, I originally wanted to go to France. I wanted okay. to study in Paris, but I was only going to study for a semester. And um, they said that if I wanted to study in France, I really needed to take a whole year because I wouldn't really even grasp. I had taken lots of French language like courses. Like I was pretty good in French. Mm, um, at, uh, being able to spell and pronounce um, um, embouchure, embouchure, yeah. Gotcha. Um, I I was like tutoring French. You know, I had spent some time in France uh, the summer before going to London. And so like I was like, I think at that time, had you given me three months in a French speaking place, I could have been fluent or like pretty darn close. Cool. Um, but they were like, yeah, you need more than mm. a semester to really grasp okay. a language and what's going on, you know, to like really learn. So I ended up going to London. Uh, There's this school that we wanted to start having like a relationship with and so i was kind of the guinea pig oh and i went so, but did you with with that not being your first choice did you arrive in london like with a hmm, or, or were you totally um, open and positive at that point i was really excited cool at that point i was like just happy to be studying abroad sure living somewhere else and i ended up really loving was, london that was my next question so you're there for four months essentially yeah about right? yeah okay um and uh it was my first time really being like an autonomous adult. Okay. Because I moved to London, didn't know anybody, um, had to figure out like transit, had to figure sure. out how to get to my school, all that, money. groceries, money, yeah, all of that by myself. Um, and London also felt, it was the first place that I had ever felt like like I was drawn to that place. Oh, like, wow. Like, Living in Virginia, I was like, I'm here for school. 
this is not my home, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even at the time, like home in upstate New York was home, but I was like, eh, I don't want to, you know, this doesn't feel like a place I want to be. When I got to London, I was like, it feels like I'm meant to be here. Like, that's what it felt like. Cool. Yeah. Have you, so have you been back since then? Or? No. No. Okay. I know. I've meant to, I've been meaning to. I, you know, when I left, I was like, I'm going to be back soon. Like, <laughs> but that was 2015. Yeah. And, you know, we're- While you were there, did you, uh, did you venture out into uh, any other- Yeah. I visited Amsterdam, Copenhagen. I went to Brighton. Um, uh, where else did I go? Salisbury. Any other parts of the UK or no? Yeah, yeah, Brighton and Salisbury. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, and that was mostly it. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Fun times. Um. So, uh, for your third one, we move just two years ahead. But if we sort of keep the the uh, geographical thread going, we've got uh, Saskatchewan to St. Louis to Japan with Mitski. And uh, bury me at Makeout Creek, uh, 2014. Three of seven, 10 tracks, 30 minutes. Um, Tell me the story here. Sure. So um, the first time I ever heard Mitski was, (laughs) this is Tumblr, back when Tumblr was popular. You know, um, I felt like we saw a thing a handful of years ago saying it was going to shut down. Yeah. But, but I think it's still, is yeah. it still there? I think, I think it's still there. Okay. I don't know how, it's definitely not how it used to be, you know, um, which is fine. But, <laughs> um, you know, on Tumblr, like, people could find a lot of new things, you know, like music was like shared around a lot. And so I came across a song on this album, First Love slash Late Spring. And uh, I was immediately drawn to her voice. And then the chorus of this song features Japanese. And I was like, I remember listening and being like, I wonder what language that is. I know it's not any of the languages that I've studied. Right. Um, And then I, I, you know, did some research on Miski, learned she was like a Japanese-American girl. She went to a SUNY school. Like, I'm pretty sure this album was recorded at at SUNY. Where did she go? I don't think she went to SUNY Potsdam. Um, It was one of the places that I almost... Was going to go. For undergrad. Yes. Wow. I thought about going or auditioning at least. I can't remember. It was, I think she went to a SUNY school kind of like outside of the city. But um, that song, I was, I just loved it. I loved her voice. I loved um, the lyrics again. I'm, I'm a huge lyric person. Okay. So like when I listen <clears throat> to music, there are a couple things that have to happen for me to want to keep listening to it. A, I need to like the music in general, mm-hmm. right? Like the overall like feeling sure. of it. Um, B, I need to like the voice. If I don't like the voice, then I can't stand the music. Okay. And if I don't like the lyrics, I can't listen at all. Wow. Like, if it's just, I don't, I don't know. Like for me, I, I'm taking away from the first listen the lyrics. I'm listening to the words. I want to know what they're saying. Um, and so listening to these songs and her lyrics it it was just at that time when i found this it was like speaking to me it was like the medicine that i needed although Mm. you know recently um i was talking to my friend about mitski and she was like yeah i need to stop listening to mitski because she's toxic as you know really yeah well just like some of the 
the things that she sings about, like specifically in this album, are kind of like they she's like looking at herself and she's explaining, you know, like how she's feeling, like her thought process around these situations that she's in. And I'm like, oh, I totally know that feeling. It's not really a it's not really something that's good. Like, for example, um, um, I don't smoke. Um the the chorus of that song is if you need to be mean be mean to me i can take it and put it inside of me if your hands need to break more than trinkets in your room you can lean on my arm while you break my heart and it's like it's like that is not something that a, a person that is not healthy behavior right but like i knew i was like i felt that mm. i know what you mean i've been in that situation i and i like like basically she's like use me it's okay you can use me sure and and she's and like the when she goes she sings the chorus a couple times and there's another time when she sings it and she continues on and she says just don't leave me alone wondering where you are i'm stronger than you give me credit for you know and it's like it, it just felt like again kind of with the angel olsen album i was like i i'm feeling all these things like that i don't necessarily know how to put into words but you put them into words exactly exactly how i feel it you know wow well interesting that you mentioned uh, a first listen for you the music and and the voice and the lyrics and then your friend saying that about her being toxic and i need to yeah when i was uh looking her up you know on like on her wiki page Mm -hmm. and the the image has got like a like a like a vibe to, mm. and it's just, she's just in front of a mic yeah. on stage somewhere. And it was like, I couldn't, I kept looking back at it being like, huh? And yeah. Like I wasn't getting that necessarily that vibe from right. what I was reading, but it kept, it's very, she's very intense. There I've seen go. her perform yep. twice. Okay. Where? Uh, I saw her perform in Chicago and I saw her perform at Knuckleheads okay. and it was the same tour. It was for, oh, wow. um, be the cowboy. Um, and she, she does not talk to the audience like at all, and she That's a this choice. this performance was all choreographed because she's a bass player. Mm. So I was expecting her to play bass while she sang, but she was just singing. She had a whole band, and it was kind of like choreographed, and it was like so interesting. It was so intense, huh. um, and she sounded exactly like she does on the record. Um, and I rem- the one thing she only she really only said one thing at those two performances that I went to and the one thing she said was I think at the Chicago one I don't even think she the only thing she said at the Kansas City one was the song Nobody I recorded the music video here in Kansas City I love Kansas City hey so that was the one thing City. right I was like oh that's so cool it's a cool music video um, but that song sorry uh, that yeah that performance she only said that one thing and then at the Chicago performance she said um you know I write so many of my songs because you know there's this feeling that nobody understands and nobody ever will and they're born out of like this this necessity and then for me to come and perform in front of you and you all know the words means more than you'll ever know something like that and that's kind of cool yeah and I was like yeah well Girl, I feel you. Like I feel everything that you you say, like what you're singing about. So, this this album. I mean, because I also like a lot of her other albums. Like mm. I love "Be the Cowboy." I also love um, like "Puberty 2. Okay. Um, those are the albums of hers that I've spent the most time with. Um, but this one is like, I just, 
it's so grungy. Mm. Like, and I like in the drunk walk home, she like screams at the end. And it's, I'm like, oh God, it's so chaotic. I had just come out of undergrad and like did some research and realized that she like probably wrote and recorded this while she was in her undergrad. Oh, wow. And I was like, man, I feel all those like manic feelings that someone in undergrad can feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I've like through the, through the years um, have found different songs on this album that have been my favorite. Um, they've kind of like moved in and out. Um, but I always come back to um, Francis. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, I reference – sometimes I reference in my songs, I reference songs that have influenced me cool. because I'll like – like kind of allude to their lyrics. So sure. for example, in uh, uh, Francis uh, Forever, I think, um, she says in the second in the second verse, um, on sunny days I go out walking, I end up on a tree-lined street, I look up at the gaps of sunlight, I miss you more than anything. Huh. And it's like, I remember hearing that lyric and feeling like that was the most heartbreaking lyric I'd ever heard in my life. Because I did not expect that to go that direction yes, with that last the, line, but it fits. Right. The, the chorus is, I don't need the world to see that I've been the best I can be, but I don't think I could stand to be where you can't see me. Mm. And so, like, that's the chorus. And so when she sings that verse, it, it, it just, like, makes me so sad and heartbroken because I'm like, she is basically describing in as few words possible that she's trying to live a normal life that she's doing things seemingly as far as possible away from this other person. But no matter what she does, this person is always present in her mind. And there's always this longing and this yearning for this person. Is that, do we call that codependent or is that? Um, I, I, I think, it, I, I think like you could say that, you know, this album could be, po you know, born out of a codependency. I, I, Emma's, you know, a recovering serial monogamist and definitely have dealt <laughs> with like codependency. And so I think that's probably why this album spoke to me so well at that point. I was recovering going through a breakup. serial monogamist. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to unpack that for me just a little bit. Basically, like from the age of like 13 to 23, I was just always in a relationship for a significant chunk of time in each one. Right. Yeah. I mean, like more than a couple months at least. You right. Know? Yeah. So I, it was like I was in a relationship that one would end. And then very shortly after I would find myself a new relationship. Gotcha. OK. I, I only ask because uh, as much as I love uh, words and language and definitions, there's always a few things that I, I just for the rest of my life and all of it before. Well, I'll never like immodest and immodest and mm. codependent versus it's like I'm. It's just always cloudy yeah, to me. Like, yeah. which one is that? I don't. Know. If yeah. I have to, if I have to put it down in writing where others can see it, I'm I'm looking that up mm -hmm. first before I just sure. Anyway, uh, so I was curious about uh, in the Angel Olsen. You, you mentioned a couple tracks that you would skip. And did you have you ever had the experience where uh, this track on this particular record? Um, has always kind of been a skip for me. And then one day it hits different as they like to say now. And, and, yeah. and it becomes a, a newly discovered favorite that used to be a skip. Have you had that experience? Yeah, I, um, I have had that experience probably with every album. Sure. That on this, this list that okay. I have. Okay. Nice. Because it's, it's like, 
when you come back to the album, obviously you're going to listen to the ones that resonated with you at first. But then as you continue in your life, there are there will be other ones that will pop up Sure. that you're like, oh, maybe that didn't resonate with me back then, but it sure as heck resonates with me now. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, the Angel Olsen song, I mean, the Angel Olsen album, uh, I think at first I really liked Acrobat and You Are Song. I really, I really liked the really sad ones, mm. you know, and then, um, you know, moving on, I ended up really liking The Waiting you know that one is it's got such like a good it's a sad song it's sure. a it's a bummer jam for sure but it's it's really <laughs> like jam. uppity you know yeah um so yeah i mean and and same with bury me at makeout creek like i listen to first love late spring like constantly 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 and then continuing on like there are just other ones that spoke to me at different times the 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 last words of a shooting star um she wrote that because she thought her plane was going to crash. Oh shit, really? Yeah. Wow. Like okay. like the like she wrote it. Basically she's it's it's like she's saying like I'm glad that I left my room clean because I'm about to die and and people will will come into my room to collect my things and they'll see that my life's together. That I tidied it up <laughs> and and she was and she was like I've always she ends the song kind of like I always wanted to die clean and pretty but I'd be too busy on working days. So I'm glad that the turbulence wasn't forecasted because I couldn't have changed anyways. And, I, and so like there, that one definitely at one point, I was like, that was the one that I always wanted to Dang. listen to. Or I would just, I would get to the end of the album and I would play that one like five different times, you know? So yeah. just at different times in, in my life have the different songs been, they've come forward in a different light. Now, Chicago and Knuckleheads were the same tour, you said? Yes, and, I saw the same show basically. Oh, so same set list? I think I think nearly. Okay. Um, now, how about for you? I mean, if you go out and your tour is, I don't, I'm just throwing out a round number, uh, fifteen shows. Mm-hmm. Is it same same set? No. How often are you mixing it up? It's different every night. Yeah, nice. Every night. How did you land at that? Is that just who you are, or was um, that a conscious decision? It's kind of like. Uh, trying to um curate um a performance that is the best suited for the space and the audience and also you have to take in i or at least gail and i take into account how we are feeling that day sure so at what point in the day are you deciding on the set list sometimes it's in the morning if you know, the morning of, sometimes it's 15 minutes before. You're at the venue and you're like, all yeah. right, here's like, what we're what are we do. feeling? Sometimes we wing it. Sometimes we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. <clears throat> that's that's really great. Um, I don't enjoy when every sure. single night of a tour is this, like, how? Like, the audience doesn't know that. I mean, right. like, let's... Um, Motley Crue, first band that mm-hmm. comes to mind for, I don't know why. Um, but like, I don't think there's a lot of folks that are on Motley Crue tour and sure. seeing multiple shit. So like the audience doesn't know, right? but you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gotta, it, it's gotta ultimately, I would think arrive at a point where you're like, I hate so many of these songs that yeah. are, that are ours that right. at one point 
I loved more than life yeah. itself when I was creating them and they were totally. hits and, and now it's just, God, you gotta, how could you have that relationship with your art? You yeah. Know? I don't know. They'll, they'll, there are some times like in tour or something where, or even just like when we are performing throughout like a month, I'll be like, I'm so sick of the song. I don't want to sing it. I don't want to do it. Sh- shelving it is an option, right? Well, I mean, we we don't necessarily retire any songs. Right. No, but you can shelve it. Yes. You know? Yeah. And we definitely. It's there if you want yes, to take it out. Yes. We put it away and we take it back out, you know, um, just depending. Well, that being said, we've really only ever retired one song and it was um, a folk song um called nancy whiskey and it's just it's just got a lot of um it's got a lot of uh yeah it's not even our song is but it's a song that we played a lot and it was just, it's just got so many verses and we were just like we're, we're done You're playing slogging this. through it every time <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're done okay. with this one now um knucklehead's the venue mm-hmm. so you've have you performed there too no but i no. will be hey. um i think in March. I'm gonna be um opening for Kelly Hunt. Okay. Why Knuckle do I know Hunt. that name? Kelly Hunt, banjo Kelly Hunt. She lived and performed in this area for a while. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you enjoyed your experience as uh, an attendee. Oh yeah, I love Knuckle- going to Knuckleheads. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know, if there are, I don't know, eight, nine, ten venues around town of varying sizes. I mean. For the most part, the venues for live music here are are likable, right? I mean, yeah, I they all so. have their own personalities and space and energy yeah. and so forth. But I've, uh, you know, I can't recall going to a show anywhere here and being like, "Fuck that place!" I don't, yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I I'm curious because uh, it's it's a it's a teeny tiny bit off the beaten path, and mm-hmm. it's um, uh, got different pockets to it like they yeah. can do outdoor stuff and then there's maybe they got like three different stages that's right so like least. having only been there a very small handful of times i never it, i don't i've never had that experience where i walk in and it feels familiar yeah it's always kind of like where, yeah where's, where's the bathroom in here again? i think i've seen a show at every one of their stages okay interesting yeah so how does one realize that one is a serial monogamist monogamous, and then what does uh, the recovering end of that look like therapy for real okay in person and right well i mean i had uh i mean during the pandemic i was like doing virtual therapy yes but, but that it, was but once things opened up again did you um no i kind of i i I haven't seen a therapist since the pandemic. In person. In well at all, actually. Okay, well because okay. because when I moved away from Pittsburgh, I liked I liked my therapist so much. Mm. I never met her in person. Mm. Um we only did virtual, but I liked her so much and I felt like, you know, um I wasn't really wanting to just like jump in with a new therapist because I had, you know, done a lot of work with this one and I really enjoyed her and so I mean, it's about also, time. You're, you're doing that with people. Oh <laughs> yeah, <life>. right. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it was just kind of like one of those things. I had a I had a relationship end, and I realized like I was like I don't want I don't want to do this pattern anymore. I don't want to be in this this habit anymore. I want to break from it, and okay. I want to like learn how to be more dependent on myself, more independent. I want to like work on myself 
I know, like, that's so cliche to say. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I need to... But that's the phrase until we come up with a better one. Yeah, work on right. Myself. And it's like, I needed to deliberately take time to focus on putting care and attention into me and not our relationship. Hey, I mean, uh, I, you could certainly say that there are plenty of folks that never have that realization right. or they have it super late. And right. then, and then like the, the regret or sorrow yes. is like too heavy to yeah. peel away, you know? And then, so this, the end of your right. existence is just like, fuck. I yeah. Mean, and I was like, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to get to be like, I don't know, 50 or 60 or later than that even. And, and, and say, wow, I should have done all this work however many years ago and you know i decided to do all this work during the pandemic great time to be alone (laughs) i mean you didn't have much of a choice exactly so it was it was really hard really hard work and it was like yeah it was a it was a very weird dark but like transitionary time like I say it was dark, but also there was so much light in it too. Like I was, it was the first time really that I felt like I, I was a friend of myself. Oh, Like learning how to be a friend of myself, you know? Yeah. And like, it was, again, it was hard because also like going through a pandemic and I was getting my master's and, but I was like, I don't, I can't have any distractions. Right. It's like, and I was like, if I don't do this now, I never will. I mean... So good. That's that's amazing that you um, had that insight and uh, fantastic that uh, I think it happened when it happened. And yeah. I mean, like the the, the pivot down the yeah. path since I, I would assume has been somewhat fulfilling and yeah, absolutely. new and uh, it's weird when you uh, recognize yourself in a situation, if it's in the moment or, you know, shortly thereafter. Where you're like, whoa, yeah. in the past, old me would have gone right. here, just down. You know, yeah. But, uh, and, and then it's almost like having that, be able to see that is is almost as valuable as the new version of you or, or mm-hmm. the, anyway. Um, so another two-year leap uh, from Barry Media at Makeout Creek to Masterpiece by Big Thief. 2016, first of five, 12 tracks, 37 minutes, Brooklyn in the house. Um, and I meant to, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, I meant to look at labels between Mitski mm. because the similarity yeah. in the album cover art and also Mitski's record was the first time I've ever seen anybody list tracks mm. on the same line together with that yeah. slash. And then uh, Big Thief is also doing it on this one. Yeah. So is there is there some kind of connection? I don't know, actually. Um, I almost want to say that Bury Me at Mega Creek was was recorded at the school. Um, uh, like her school's recording studio. Hmm. Like I th- I I I don't know. I haven't researched it. Okay. And I know at one point Big Thief was completely independent. Well, look how similar just the font and the right. photo. And yeah, the it is very similar. And at this time, these these albums, their overall sound are very similar. Okay, they're kind of so like I think that they could both still like 
occupy the same genre, but I think that they were their closest at this point in both of okay. their um, um, Fascinating. discographies. So zero, prior to uh, you being here, zero Joni Mitchell records, zero Angel Olsen records, zero Mitski, uh, and there has been one big thief, and it just happened like a few episodes ago. Oh. So I was like, why is that? No one has come in here with an, a Joni record, really? Nobody. No, that but, is shocking to but me. But I've also got huge swaths of just dude after dude after dude mm. because this the way that I have uh, come into contact with folks or, or, or initiated contact with folks has been very largely organic mm-hmm. um, and, and the end result is that it's just like uh, you know a lot of dudes yeah uh, so uh, not to say right. that there aren't Joni Mitchell loving dudes out there but yeah I, I understand that. I mean she's she is a huge inspiration to many female artists. Yes. I mean, she's probably the most influential female artist of the 20th century. Pro- that is my guess that she is the most influential. Um, but, but again, yeah, I, I think typically it's a lot of women are, are sure. very drawn to her. her so music. the first one just happened four episodes ago and it was uh, two hands. Oh, um, and the guest uh, all but raved about uh, Adrian Lanker. Interesting. Who's the front gal, yeah. right? Like that was, uh, there was something about her voice or her uh, talent or whatever that made them officially uh, uh, a Big Thief fan. Yeah. So what's your discovery story for, for these folks? So out of all of these albums, this is the one that I heard first. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Masterpiece. Because I... Pretty sure I'm pretty sure I listened to this album when it came out. Oh wow! Um, like I am an OG Big Thief fan. 2016, it, you would been have been relatively new to the concept of listening to albums at that time. Yeah, right? I'm a junior in college. Okay. Um, or if if it's like if it's early 2016, I'm a junior. If it's if it's late 2016, I'm a senior. Okay. And I I want to say I listened to this this album like the beginning of senior year some a friend of mine showed it to me Mm. and um the lyrics of course pull me in and you know like i i want to say it's really the lyrics that make me come and to an album and want to listen to the whole thing okay and the way that this album starts with little arrow where it's very Mm. like it sounds like it was recorded on, like, um, I don't know, a tape recorder. Mm, okay, yeah. That's how it starts, kind of fuzzy. Lo-fi, yeah. And then yeah. Masterpiece is, like, clean, rock-like huh. grunge. Okay. And, again, the the lyrics are just so good. The this album too is so different from any of their other albums because they the drummer that they had on this album only plays drums on this album, and then they got a different drummer. Oh, and so this this album is like really their most. I mean, I think uh, Capacity, their next album, sounds a lot like this album as well, but this one is like very unique because it only has this one drummer. On okay, it. and I think that's why all of these songs are a little bit more grungy. I think that's why they. F- they fit in with that with this Mitski album too, like during that time, I guess. Huh. Um, but 
again, it was just one of those things where I was hearing these songs and I was like, my gosh, how do you know what's going on in my life? <laughs> like, how do you, how can you so perfectly describe what I'm feeling when I don't even know how to describe what I'm feeling? Right. Sometimes yeah. that's what it takes is for somebody else to yeah. describe it for, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Like, like real love on this album, the, the chorus is just real love, real love, real love makes your lungs black. Real love is a heart attack. Oh my golly. Yeah. Okay. And it's, and I think typically the most popular song on this album is Paul. Mm. Um, because the chorus is just like so, the lyrics are so good. And they just, it it perfectly describes like this situation. You totally understand like what's going on, like how the context of the song. Um, and I think people just love how it sounds. Um, it's it's like, yeah, it's it's got a lot of... Um, uh, lines in there where you're like oh man that really like like um one of the lines is so i swallowed all of it as i realized there was no one who could kiss away my shit gosh man yeah um so <laughs> you're just like oh my god i didn't catch that about the drummer i did however uh and so so i don't know if this is uh formation time or at the time of this record but the note that i that caught my eye was that all four members went to Berkeley college of music in Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I've recent kind of recently went to Virginia for a week, been to New York twice, as I mentioned. Um, but that's really it. Like I have done nothing. I'm sorry. I went to, um, uh, Atlantic city, for, for some shows mm -hmm. uh, two summers ago. And so that, that I flew into um, Newark and then Trenton down to Philly. Uh, very little in the northeastern part of the country. I, I would guess, though, that you've got uh, some experiences in Boston, in New York, in Philly. Uh, and so, like, do you absolutely love with all of your heart, the Northeast, are there, uh, favorite parts that you have or I do love the Northeast. Okay. Um, I love the region where I'm from the finger lakes. I okay. think it's so beautiful. Um, I also love the Shenandoah Valley mm. in Winchester, Virginia. Like, okay. like for that, the area that I was in in Virginia is so beautiful. Um, and I've been to, I've been to all of those cities. I've been to Philly. I've been to Boston. Been to New York. Um, I would say I, I mean, Boston is a, a beautiful, beautiful city. I think it's out of all those cities you just listed. I think it's probably my favorite. All all those. Really? Yeah. There's so much history there. Sure, but I mean, and more so than New York City, history wise. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in New York, but I was always like, I don't. I feel like New York gets more hype than it should. Okay. Like the city. I was like, I love the Finger Lakes. Yeah. You know, like, how come we don't get any attention? Oh, I mean, we the Finger Lakes do get attention, but, you know. Sure. I think New York is, like, great. I'm not here trying to diss New York. It's just not one of my <laughs> yeah. favorite cities, you know. I picture, when I hear the Finger Lakes, I, I, I get this vision of just multicolored fall tree mm -hmm. foliage, uh, you know, and, of course, water. Uh, yeah. And, and... It, 
you know, some, a little bit of elevation change here and there as well. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in New York, you've got like the Adirondacks, you've got the Catskills. Um, the, all the, the Finger Lakes are glacially formed lakes. So like during the Ice Age, when the glaciers were melting and moving, they were carving into the ground these holes wow. that as they would melt would fill up into lakes. So these lakes are so, 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 so old. And one of them, Seneca Lake, is so deep that they have done submarine testing in Seneca Lake. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you can find sturgeon, I think, in some of those lake. oh. lakes. Yeah. Wow. At least in Seneca, I think. Is sturgeon that big, giant, prehistoric-looking yeah. fish? Yeah. Okay. They're okay. old. Yeah. Um, but you but you dig Boston a lot. Oh, yeah. I love I love Boston. Um, I think I visited maybe like twice. My sister did her undergrad there. Okay. Very expensive city. Okay. But beautiful, um, beautiful city. And, um, you know, it's funny because, uh, what, Lake Street Dive? I think they all met at Berkeley, too, in Boston. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, that that's kind of a uh, pretty special place to go yeah. for studying music, right? Yeah, and Adrian Lanker didn't even graduate high okay. school. Oh, she didn't? No, she did like a... I think she did some sort of summer program at Berkeley and or I don't exactly remember how this happened. All I know is that someone was like, her songwriting is so good. We should give her a scholarship. We've never given someone a scholarship on their songwriting alone. It's always been for an instrument. Whoa. But this chick's got talent. What an She's, opportunity. Right. So she went to Berkeley. She, yeah. I think she dropped out. I, I don't think she finished high school, but she went to Berkeley and she's an incredible songwriter. For sure. I think she's like. I yeah I think that Adrian Lenker um, has like Joni energy in mm. the sense where they are not afraid to experiment. Right. Funny that you mentioned that. I mean, uh, uh, your first three, the first three records on your list, kind of live in this energy mm -hmm. level. But this is you know a tick up in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I, I I'm. Well, th this also is one of, like, if I had to pick three albums to listen to for the rest of my life, this is definitely one of them. Mm, okay. Um, I think that I, I grew up, like, in high school when I started to, like, listen to other music or, like, would go to school dances and hear music, like um, My Chemical Romance, mm. um, Boys Like Girls, uh, you know, like, these these bands, like, I loved that music and, like, this this music kind of ha like felt kind of in that vein a little bit. Cool. Not as like over the top, you know, as like some of that pop punk stuff. Right. But it it still like scratched that itch. Absolutely. Um, I've listened to this album probably more times than I've listened to any other album. Mm. Yeah. It's a good one. I really liked it, it. Oh my God. I just, yeah, I just love it. I love it so much. Um. One of the songs that I used to skip all the time, Velvet Ring and Humans, both mm. those songs. And now they're like two of my favorites. And I, t you don't know, I, if I had to skip songs on this one, I would probably skip the ones that I used to listen to all the time. Like Real Love and Masterpiece, I would probably listen to um, Velvet Ring, Humans, um, Animals, probably listen to those more now than, you know, I, I used to, I used to probably skip those sure but yeah i think i love big thief i they're also a band that has evolved a lot okay um like they don't really write music like this anymore they're they're kind of on the the um 
indie folk indie folk now where this felt like more like indie rock okay. pop sort interesting of, you know i wonder if some if something shifted or um, they just grew developed grew i mean or yeah, I'm not sure. I know that um, uh, Adrian Lenker was super inspired by John Prine, and I know that his death really struck a chord with her. And I think, I, I mean, this is just my own observation. I think after his death, I felt like she was writing a little bit more into in like the country folk sort of oh. thing. But, you know, her and Buck Meek used to be married. They met in New York City. Um, oh, no, no, sorry. They moved to New York City, and they were married and living there. And I think they kind of created big thief okay um and buck meek i think kind of sings and writes more of that like country folk style too and they're he's still they're still in the band they're divorced wow but kudos to them yeah and like there's definitely songs (laughs) it's like like fleetwood mac except i actually think they're healthy where i felt (laughs) like no they those two stayed in that because they were like we have we don't have a choice right right this is a conscient yeah like, yes hey are we all right come yes. on let's get back yes so um yeah I think they're they're both really great songwriters and I really like Big Thief I really like what they do um I there hasn't really been an album that I haven't liked um I mean I'm drawn to different albums their most recent album is really great too cool um lots of good stuff on it yeah i nice i don't have any bad things to say about big thief (laughs) nor should you nor should you (laughs) speaking of most recent uh nothing for me please dean johnson 2023 Mm -hmm. uh not a huge digital footprint for this fella or this album and so then i'm like this do you know this person i have i have met dean i i opened a show for him nice um so this is his lone ep or i'm sorry lp as of now yes um super handsome website uh and then the mama bird recording company is all all of their stuff is very sleek too Mm -hmm. like they mean what they and and are passionate about what they do right so you open for him and yeah it, it was really funny so i uh was opening a show um for Dylan Earl and then um Christopher Seymour and his his get up and then um this other this other guy but this this other guy dropped out and then last minute Dylan Earl was playing some show some series of shows where Dean Johnson was and he was like you should come and finish out this tour with us this guy dropped out you know, and so last minute, Dean Johnson, I'm opening for Dean Johnson. And at that point, I'd already become obsessed with this album. Oh, wow. And I was like, Dean Johnson? I'm sorry, what? I'm going to be opening for Dean Johnson? I'm obsessed with this album. I had a friend, musician in town named Fenwa. He had sent me one of his songs a while back and I listened to it and thought it was good, but then didn't kind of, didn't really, for some reason, the song that he sent me, it didn't like catch my eye my, sure. or my ear at the time. And it wasn't until, um, I want to say, Spotify algorithm again, um, put this, put uh, Faraway Skies. Okay. Um, or maybe it was, I think, I can't remember if it was old TV or Faraway Skies. I think it was Faraway Skies because recently I have started this, or 
in the past two years, I've really started to listen to country, country folk. Like I never really listened to that kind of music ever before. And um, I really like um, Marty Robbins, like um, gunslinger ballads. Mm. Okay. And I also really like um, Cowpoke by Eddie Arnold. Okay. Those two records. Really admire the songwriting, really admire the singing, really admire the musicianship in all of that. And Faraway Skies has that feeling. It has that same cowboy, just like the, yeah. (laughs) It's got the same, um, you know, just like the West, the expanse of the West, like this, that that lonely kind of feeling that you're a little addicted to, you know, like, and I. Lonely, but adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're accomplishing something. Yeah. It's it's just like me in the outdoors, me in the wilderness. Or like, I don't know. It's, it's just the, it's got some whimsy to it even. And um, I loved his lyrics again. Th- you know what? This, the lyrics um, in, the, in this album, the way that this album hit me was like how Halfway Home hit me. Mm. And I had not had an album hit me like that in years and i was like wow this this is an incredible album very but anyways um i think it's all recorded um on analog this album okay i think it's analog not digital digitally recorded and i think is that like there's actual like tape tape okay yeah Yeah, yeah, i think it's tape like and uh it's I, I the same way that uh like tape sounds that's kind of like how film photography is tan it, it's got this tangibility that like the digital can't ever have right. it can do a really good job of like trying to mimic it but it can't ever be it well there's some similarity to that i think uh and and the vinyl folks like there's nothing yeah. like i don't are you are you i haven't gathered that you're a huge vinyl collector. i have a lot of you no. do you know i have every single one of these albums on vinyl except for halfway home okay yeah okay um i love listening to vinyl because you know i don't i don't watch a lot of tv i don't watch a lot of movies and i really don't listen to a lot of music after like studying it and being in that world for so long and having music be an integral part of my like academic life um i don't seek it out really and like just as a filler i appreciate silence i in the same way like an artist appreciates negative space in a piece i appreciate silence in the world like driving i like listening to road noise like that's, that's all i listen to i don't I usually don't put on music. And so what I like about vinyl is that when I put a vinyl on, I'm deliberately choosing to listen to a vinyl and I'm going to listen to it and cool. I'm going to experience it as music for music's sake and, you and get not to as a filler. Have and hold and look at and smell and yeah. read. And- yes. And you know what? It's really fun too because every time you listen to a vinyl, it's going to be inherently different because of the pops. Yep. What is it going to skip? Where is it going to skip? Is there going to be like a, a new scratch or whatever? It's a different experience every yeah. time. So, and I, again, I like the tangibility of it. I'm a huge like film photography advocate and lover. I shoot film photography, and there is just nothing like getting film back. Like, there's nothing like a film portrait. 
And that's kind of how I feel about analog and vinyl as well. Um, you, uh, I didn't, I didn't, maybe that feels familiar, uh, but there's definitely uh, on your link tree uh, in your Instagram bio uh, a, a poetry. So, so you shoot film, record music, write music, write poetry. Paint. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, I mean, you're got a, a large palette, so to speak. I just, you know, it's um, all of these things like uh, they have their own seasons, you know, um, some sometimes going through different, uh, I don't know, hardships or, or good times even I'm drawn to a different medium. Okay. You know, like, uh, for example, this past year, I only, I think, painted maybe three or four paintings. But the year prior, I painted probably upwards of 20. Are you varying in canvas size? Um, I'm mostly doing, um, like, the biggest I've ever painted, and I do watercolors primarily. The biggest I've ever painted is probably like an 11 by, I don't know, 13. Okay. Um, I have a a giant piece of watercolor paper though because I want to paint a still life my dad used to paint too oh nice or he does he still he does art now a lot more in his retirement but he's he's more of like a colored pencil artist but I have one of his watercolor still lifes in my home and I want to paint a watercolor still life in that style cool. I just like two hours before you got here saw an Instagram reel where the gal was uh I mean, it was however long the you know thirty set whatever mm-hmm. it was. She's a watercolor paint painter, mm-hmm. and she opened the thing saying, uh, "Okay, if you're gonna do this, you gotta get watercolor paper, like printer paper and yeah." No, and I was work. like, "What? Yeah, you need watercolor and then paper." She missed. She opened up her watercolors and missed them and let them sit for like thirty and, she, and did a a comparison. And I was like, "Oh yeah. my gosh!" Yeah, printer paper does not absorb it. Okay, and and, then... and like the and watercolor paper too, like it's just got a special way of absorbing the water, you know, like because you don't necessarily want a paper in when I'm painting, I don't necessarily want a, a paper that's going to absorb the color instantly. Um, like that's one of the reasons why watercolor is is hard because you can't paint over a mistake. You know, like you can't just take an, an opaque like and make it light color. well well like say if you are painting acrylic and um you paint something you don't like okay you wait for it to dry and you paint over it you can't see the paint underneath that's not how it works for watercolor because it's all diluted hmm. and like if you mess up on watercolor typically what you have to do is you have to take water you have to saturate the spot you have to wait a second and, and blot maybe and try to get the color out but so patience is necessary patience yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I think watercolor requires less patience than acrylic okay. and oil because those take very long to dry. Interesting. But you can cover up mistakes a lot easier. Okay. Um, but I, I like the fluidity of sure. <laughs> watercolor. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. I lots lots of mediums that I'm I'm drawn to creatively, but I think, you know, some sometimes I'm like, I really need to write a poem. Sometimes I'm like I really feel drawn to my guitar. And sometimes I'm like, I want to sit down and I want to paint, you know, cool. like just depending on. Have you ever uh, given any serious thought to submitting a collection of poems for publication? Um, I, I did submit uh, one poem and a, 
I don't have the book, but apparently got selected to be put on a book. Um, uh, this was like a couple years ago. Um, but I was like, oh, cool. Like maybe, I mean, I was like, I don't know if this is like real or not necessarily, but, um, if it's in a book, cool. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, during the pandemic, I, I took a lot of poems that I had written and I put them, um, on like a digital kind of like book sort of thing. Okay. There's there are errors in it, so I don't like broadcast it a lot. Gotcha. Ideally, I would like to really take some time and edit the poems and choose the ones that I really want and like put them in a collection. Because I even it, it's so funny you brought up poetry because today I was organizing and cleaning my room and I came across a notepad from almost four years ago with a bunch of sad poems. But I was like, I was like, wow, like. I really, I feel very proud of these poems. You know, it's funny that I'm reading these four years later um, because I remember how I felt at this time and I remember writing these poems and thinking like, oh, wow, these poems are so silly and like cliche, blah, blah. But reading them now, I was like, no, I think they're really profound. And I think nice. that when you're in, when you're feeling things and you're writing about them, you know, your your context is like your own. The context of reading those poems are your own. Yeah. In which the, the same context that you wrote them, and so to visit visit a poem that I wrote, know the context, but not be in that same context, I was like, oh, I have the new a new pre- appreciation for it. Um, so, yeah, I that, I think that's also why I, I have an appreciation for lyrics. Sure, you know, I have uh, just I don't know if you can see it or not, but there's a few there's like four or five spiral notebooks that are oh, yeah, leaning, yeah. leaning the other direction yeah. at the end of that stack all volumes of poetry oh nice and it was like um, um so start with and they're called like one two you know roman numeral right right it's like uh they never used for anything else i'm going to fill page one through the end of, and that's going to be my first volume of poetry and then i'm gonna mm. and it's and and so i did that and yeah it's like i got through like the fifth one and i was like these are all so amazing i not didn't really revisit them much once yeah. i was done with one and i remember uh, at one point sharing one of them with my uncle and he was he like quickly read like a whole thing he's like there's you know one maybe two in there that are decent if you get in there and edit them and i was like excuse me (laughs) edit them they but they're amazing the way and and at that point i was like oh yeah like you know this is uh 1996 when i was writing this and what sad thing or whatever, whatever was happening and but that was the core of the thing right. and now looking it's like oh this could be you can mold and shift yeah. the shape and yeah anyway um wow that's really cool um but this dean john i really like yeah. this record again uh the digital uh, appearance uh from his stuff and from from the label stuff um the sound uh you you mentioned the, the analog tape E feel to the listen. Yeah. Uh, the cover art, I think, is really. Where were you when this f- person said, "Hey, you should go uh, play some spots for him"? Where were you when that well, happened? Well, I was. I was just already planning on like I was already booked to open for this show. Like I was the local opener, and it was at Hillsiders. It was this past summer, or maybe it was this past fall. Um, 
But when I saw that he got put on the 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 bill, I was just like, oh. and I was like, how am I, I how am I gonna meet this person and not completely not fangirl? fangirl. Yeah, yeah. And um, he is a he is such a sweet guy, cool. like very sweet, um, very good two stepper as well. Oh wow. Um, and uh, I just remember I, I met him. I saw him come into the, and I was like Dean Johnson, right? And he's like, oh, you must be Kersey. I was like, yeah. I was like, and and all I really said to him about his album, I was just like, I was like, your album is is incredible. I really resonate with it um uh it's affected me like uh an album hasn't in a long time and i really appreciate Ooh, it i bet he liked hearing that yeah well because i didn't want to be like gushy yeah, of and, course but it it i could i do gush about this album i love this album the the wit in the writing is so clever nice um and again like so many of these songs i have felt and just haven't been able to put in my own words. And, um, it's, yeah, I, I just remember listening to this album the first time and needing to pause it because I was weeping. I would just be like so moved by what he was singing. And I, I love the simplicity in it. Like I, of course I like have an appreciation for, you know, complex melodies and, and intricate harmonies and like the things that you add to create such an experience, a listening experience. Like Mitski is so good with like layering and, and Joni Mitchell too, like very experimental. Like she, she was playing some very interesting chords and, you know, like just really exploring the boundaries of like what music is i feel like Mm. but i also love how simple these like a lot of these songs are like four or five chord Mm -hmm. songs Mm, okay yeah and i I like that they're just songs you can that anybody could sit down and play you know i love how approachable they are cool um and i love his voice is so genuine like he's not trying to put anything on he's just like these are my songs Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Like it like it or not, you know, this is this is this is me. Um yeah. And and you know, uh a lot of these songs they um they touch on like feelings that I've had in the past. Like feelings that maybe I haven't looked at in a while. And like listening to this album, I was like forced to look at them again, but now in a different light. And I think that's also why it affected me so much, sure. you know. Cause I think a lot of these songs too that he's that he's singing, they're all in hindsight, you know. Okay. Like the um the song Possession. It's about he's he's calling this need to feel possessed a possession. Or no, so this this feeling that he need this sorry. <laughs> he feels like he has this need to possess another person in a relationship context, but he's calling that a possession. He's saying, I need to lose this possession of mine. And it kind of is like a double entendre, right? Mm. I need to lose this possession, you know, this need to possess too. And um, the ending, he goes, you know, I'm sorry, Sparrow. I could not put it down. I stand here looking back at all the love I've drowned. And I've like absolutely said, like, I felt like I've drowned. Like, I have a I have a poem that I, that I wrote a while ago that's called The Cake That's Too Sweet, right? And it's like... And I and I say at the end of it, it's like 
here, here I have been just like trying to feed you this cake, you know, like to like fulfill your needs. And now I'm looking that I'm choking you. Mm. I'm just force feeding this to you. And, and like, and that's that Easier same feeling. To hold your head underwater than it is to get out of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's just like, yeah. Um, yeah. He's just got some crazy good one like there's i don't know there's no fluff in these songs yeah for sure like i just love how straightforward i really admire i really admire bluntness and i also admire just like raw wit because sometimes i feel like in my own writing i can be way too cryptic okay um because you have an apprehension about uh being like ridiculously transparent like you want to get the feeling out there, but you don't want to spell it out exactly. Well, I think or maybe it's kind of just like I, 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 I feel like maybe I'm processing it in a cryptic way. I don't know. Oh. Me and my me and my duo partner both are very drawn to being cryptic with our lyrics. Huh. Like we we sing in or we write in a lot of like metaphor, you know, or like comparison. And maybe don't come outright and say what we are meaning, right? Um, but like that is something that I admire and I want to incorporate more. And so when I when it's done well, I really admire it. And I think that he just fucking killed it. Nice. With this. this album is so good. I I, just, yeah. I would be. Um, I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, that he puts out something else and I get yeah. to hear what you think well, about he's, it. Because he's older. It's like, I think he's like in his 40s and he's just hey, released his right, first. You know. But I, I mean, like <laughs> all these other artists have been releasing music since they've been in their 20s. Right. You know, like for, for someone to release a collection of songs at this caliber and it be their first album at 45, that's crazy to me. Like what? I don't really know much about Dean. Um, I, I spent that evening out of the the um, the gig hanging around him, really, just kind of like asking him some questions here and there, dancing, you know. But I didn't really like press about sure. any. I didn't like. We were just hanging out, you yeah, know. Yeah, of course. Um, but I just I just wanted to be like, how long have you been playing these songs? Mm. Like how how old is this oldest song? I I just have yeah I have like so many questions like I don't know there's just such wisdom behind like I don't know they're great well I just yeah very much looking forward to uh, the Dean Johnson sophomore (laughs) yeah second release yeah um thank you so much Uh, great list Um, I like to uh, finish with a series of goofy questions and then get you out of here great um so um. I know not everybody, but most folks, I believe, have um, a bucket list Mm. and maybe different versions. Um, If you were the type of person to have a personal and a professional uh, list of that sort and you were given all the resources to cross off number one on the personal and number one on the professional... What what would that what would you be doing? I think professional would um, 
professional would be to uh, be able to like really record an album like in a really nice studio. Ooh, okay. Because I really, um, well, well, that and also probably come out with like a vine, like vinyl press press yes because that's expensive too but but like galen and i i love our process of recording um i it's very like i don't know it's just very relaxed cool like we're not we're not buying our minutes in a studio right you know what i mean like we're just pressure's not on right it can be organic if you let it it is it it is organic like we just sit there as two buds like we're just recording and we can take as many takes as we want we can like be as um experimental with things as we want we can add things in and take them away later like it's it's like it's super fun i really like it um but with that being said i know that there's like a lot of stress on galen in these situations sometimes and i think it would be super cool if we were able to go into a studio and have like just the top of the you know the the top best people in the industry you know like with the best equipment yeah. and just like we only have to worry about the music, and they do all of that. So you're given that opportunity. Yeah. You're going in, the two of you, not as Kirstie Lynn solo. No, we'd go in together. Okay, okay. Yeah, I cool. feel very – I mean, we both are solo artists, um, and we're both, you know, uh, like, proud of our, our solo projects and, and the things that we create on our own. But I think we both really admire and appreciate each other in this collaborative union that we've formed, and I think that – both of us are very um, interested in um, pursuing this dream Great. together. Nice. So, um, for a personal bucket list, I would love to. Um, you know, it's it's in between just like backpacking through a bunch of different countries. Or backpacking through this country, Ooh, you know, yeah, just spending a lot of time um, outdoors without f- financial fear, <laughs> or or spending a lot of time just like getting to know a place without the um, the the strains of the grind, you know. Go do this thing, and all the things are going to be fine when I get back to them. Yeah. Be in the moment for this yeah. and, and no, nothing, yeah. there's nothing to worry about right. over here. I'm not going to be like, oh, wow, I'm taking three months off. Man, that's going to hurt my wallet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, just to to have that freedom. For sure. To like just go and, and enjoy like and be it. present. Yeah. Um, lunch with anyone, dead or alive, who are you choosing and why? Oh, man. Lunch with anyone. Um, I think I would have lunch with Aldo Leopold. Uh, why do I, I know that name, but I don't know why I know it. He was a, a wildlife philosopher. Okay. He wrote a Sand County Almanac. Okay. And it's a very highly regarded book in the, like, wildlife, um, conservation, um, kind of world because it's it's like a a book of memoirs that really touches on like wildlife philosophy like how do we go about taking care of our green spaces of um the wilderness you know that's around us like how do we how do we balance 
bringing people to the outdoors to appreciate it without ruining it because of the presence. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's just that I love that book. It's probably my favorite book. It's just so eloquently written. He he could explain the most mundane thing and make it just such a beautiful passage. Um, And so I would love, and, and he was writing about spaces in America like a hundred years ago. Really? Wow. Yeah. And he's even talking about how things are getting We're going to fuck of, it up. We're going to fuck it up. Yes. Careful. And, and he's already, and he already explains in situations how things have been ruined. And I'm like, oh my God, like we're a hundred years later. Like, so I don't, and, and you want to know what? He died young. Well, not young, young, but young enough um, because he was trying to save his neighbors from a grass fire. Oh, dang. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and he had just been appointed to the UN um, to be like uh, like the head guy for like um, forestry and wilderness like philosophy sort of things. Yeah, and yeah, he died Damn. trying to save his neighbors from a grass fire. I think he's just I just love the way that he writes, and I love the way that he experienced mm. the wildlife. Well, he so. must have uh, been a fantastic writer if you could feel how he experienced it. I mean, right? yeah, how it's else? it's incredible. It's Honestly, like I, I I recommend that book to anybody, whether you like the outdoors or not. Sure. It's beautiful. Cool. Um, you are given the ability to visit your past self at any age you're choosing. What age are you choosing, and what are you saying? Um, I think I would visit my past self. What, Is that what you said? Yeah, has what, to be a past self. Has to be past okay, self. Sorry, sorry. But what age? Right. And what do you say? Um, sorry. For a second, I was like, I thought you. In my head, I was like, did I have the option to go say something <laughs> to my future self? No. Okay, past self. I think I'd probably say. I would pick like. I'd probably pick a time where I was struggling really hard. Um, which were a couple times in my life. And I think that I would probably go back to like 2014, 2015, maybe. Okay. Um, possibly even 2016, somewhere in, in those years. Okay. And I would say. This is, this is adult you, not a uh, young person. No, yet. not young person me, but this is like, this is. And uh, this is like early 20s. Okay. Okay. You know, and I would just, I would say like, um, I would just tell myself um, like, you don't need to find your worth in the eyes of other people. Oh, shoot. Be like, just know that all you ever need, you have in yourself and you can find in yourself. Interesting. I like that. Uh, I saw a clip last night. Um, Rick Rubin. Mm-hmm. He's being interviewed. It might have been, um, gosh, what's his name? Uh, Lex Friedman. It might have been on Lex Friedman's podcast. But uh, talking about um, the creation of art. And, you know, it was a short enough bit that um, I just assumed he's talking about mm-hmm. producing records. But it was open enough that it could have been watercolor or Mm. poetry or whatever. And he, the whole thing he was talking about was 
creating art, whatever form it's in, the only things, I'm not going to do it justice and it's not going to sound great, but um, the only time the end product is good is if you absolutely love what you're doing mm-hmm. and, and and he, he talks about movies too um the reason why of, of all the huge number of movies made the only reason the reason why there's a few that are great is because most folks are trying to make a movie or a piece of art that they hope others will like yeah it, it until you're doing it fully fully for you that's yeah. what draws people to it yes you know yeah, so I, absolutely I, I like that a lot yeah um, finding value not in the eyes of others, but right, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't like a lot of like uh, popular music nowadays because sure. it feels like it's only being written to, to like get people to listen to sell, yeah. you know. And yeah. I'm like, that's why when something like Dean Johnson's "Nothing for Me, Please" comes out in 2023 and it's the most honest, authentic thing ever, I'm like. This is the best. Like, why? Why is this not on the radio? Why is this not like popular music? You know, right. I don't know. That's just my spiel. <laughs> Forgotten era, you know, where yeah, just this. Anyway, um, complete this for me, if you would, please. Uh, the world would immediately become a better place in which to live if only. If only, as a collective, the people in charge cared about the people more the people living more than the money mm. <laughs> true couldn't be truer couldn't be true yeah uh last but not least true or false it is okay and acceptable to wear the t-shirt of the band whose show you're going to true okay i think it's acceptable okay i like it um Thank you so much for being here. Fantastic to chat with you, to check out your list, to learn about you. KirstyLynn.com. Where does Kirsty the Worsty come from? Just because it was a catchy rhyme. Well, so growing up, people and, and, and now people have a hard time with my name. Like it's not really a, a common name here in the US. And uh, a lot of people had a hard time pronouncing it growing up. So I used to say, oh, Kirsty rhymes with thirsty, you know? And, you know, until I got to college, it never had any sort of like weird meaning behind it, you know, like, oh, like she's Thirst thirsty. Yeah. yeah. So it was Does just like. Does that just mean that you're interested in hooking up? Or? Yeah. Like a thirst trap is like essentially something that you post with uh, the goal of, um, I don't know getting people to feel like lost in some way. Like you're trying to like, you're trying to, yeah, trap eyes, you know, in a, in a lustful way, I guess. I saw it the first, for the first time five or six years ago. Mm. And it was uh, a guy that I went to a a tiny little bit of grade school, but then middle school and high school with, and haven't seen since. Mm -hmm. And, I was on somebody else's page, like a a, a friend, and yeah. I'm on there, and I there's a post, and he's down in the comments, mm-hmm. and there's kind of a back and forth happening, and and it, I think it, you could tell that he was trying to steer it to private message, yeah, and I messaged him, and I was like, um, what what's happening over here, and he's like thirsty, lol, and I, I was like, go to the 
water fountain what are you talking about yeah <laughs> yeah and then i was like oh i think that mean i right mean something else yeah if you're if you're thirsty it means you're like you're looking for something to quench okay you know so in that way kirsty the word it's a different rhyme yes so. and so kirsty the worsty is my sister used to call me that right i up. wondered i wondered she'd be like kirsty's the worsty you know and and you're the oldest I am the you oldest. You punch her in the mouth when she would say that? No, I, she bullied me. I never... Oh, dang. I, yeah, she was the bully. Uh, Corinne, if you ever listen to this, I love you, <laughs> but you were totally the bully. Did you um, come up with a rhyme to retire? Yeah, I couldn't think of one for a while because it's hard to rhyme yeah. something with Corinne. Yeah. But I remember the day that I found the word. because, And I I was just waiting for her to call me Kirstie the Worsey. Like, I think I was sitting on this for a while. Yeah. And so, lo and behold, she goes, Kirstie the Worsey. And I'm like, yeah, well, Corinne smells like urine. Oh, man. And she she looked at me like her eyes got so big, and she instantly started crying, ran to our mom. Oh, boy. Was like, Kirstie, like, Kirstie, you know, said some mean things. And I was like, you literally called me Kirstie the Worsey. So... For half but, a decade, not yes. that I'm keeping well, track. Well, and, and now, and after that, she never called me Kirstie the Worsey okay. again. Um, but... I was going to have my Instagram name as Thirsty Kirsty, but that one was already t- taken. So, Kirsty the Worsty. Lucky for you. Ah, uh, yes. Probably. Yeah, Kirsty the Worsty. <laughs> so, KirstyLynn.com, Kirsty the Worsty on Instagram, and then Kirsty Lynn if you're looking on Amazon, Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple, Tidal, YouTube, and all the other yeah. places, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there are two full-length albums three and three and an ep and an ep and an ep okay okay and then a couple singles too very cool and then um uh upcoming gigs uh are in the works yeah i have um i have one for sure that i i know the date because it's i just like confirmed it yesterday but my i have a friend uh from out of town um who's coming into town uh, for Folk Alliance, and we're going to mm. be doing a show together uh, um, on the 17th of February at the Boulevard Tavern. Okay, Her fun. name is uh, Ashley Virginia. She's very good. So we're doing a show there on the 17th, and then I'll be playing at Folk Alliance with Galen. We have a couple sh- uh, private showcases, or I guess unofficial showcases. And then other than that, I can't really think of what else is happening in February. Is there uh, a... <laughs> a current batch of of songwriting slash recording that may be on the horizon yes okay galen and i have started recording um our next album cool um it's it's probably going to be somewhere between eight and ten tracks okay uh we're also going to release some singles before then okay um so definitely there will be new music in the next six months for okay, sure i was gonna say like fallish winterish maybe we're i think we're hoping to release the album by late spring oh dang yeah okay um, late spring or summer. We're trying to be a little bit more calculated because we typically like get done with recording something and be like, let's record it. Like, let's release it in a month. And right. we're like, maybe we should take some time and like actually like try and uh, promote it and like get some attention and excitement around it so that when we do release it, like more people know about it. Sure. You know? But yeah, we we're like, I think halfway done recording the album. Very nice. So, yeah. Um, now, is this the, is this uh does one of you uh, naturally bring most of the written material in its raw form to the duo or is it a mix or do you write together? How does, or who knows it's ever changing? Um, It's a mix for okay. sure. Um, Like there are some songs 
that I'll write. And what I say is like, we'll have the bones. Like Galen will write a song. We've got the skeleton. He brings it to me. We, I add either something vocally i add something instrumentally um maybe even offer like uh some alternate uh part of a song sure um same thing goes for me like i'll write a song bring it to him he'll he'll say i hear this i you know i hear that blah blah um sometimes we do write songs together sometimes we come to each other with half written songs sometimes we sit down and we just we write a song like from start to finish we've done that maybe like two or three times but I mean, typically it, it's it's a little bit of homework from each side and sure. then we kind of come together um and we we finish songs i always say like um you know i could have written a song it could have been like my lyrics you know or like i came up with the skeleton but it's not a real it's not really a living breathing song without what galen adds sure you know, so I, I would imagine he probably said would say the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Anything that you um, had hoped that we would touch on that we didn't? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Um, really look forward to um, that project uh, coming out. Uh, gig announcements. Of course, uh, your opinion on the next Dean Johnson record and <laughs> so many other things. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks Talk for having me. All right.